was a client who was bought by Amazon for 11 million wow. pounds. Hi everyone, welcome to the Next Level Finance Podcast. Um, and as you all know, we love about giving value. This is to help entrepreneurs on their business journey, their property journey, their tax journey, even SaaS pensions and everything between. You've got to watch this because this is what will make you add huge value. Hi everyone, welcome to the Next Level Finance Podcast, episode five. And I don't know where the time's going. Today we have got Mark Fordham and one of the people that I actually had a lot of help with as well. Mark, welcome to the Next Level Finance Thank Podcast. Thank you, Zee. Great to be here. Thank you. And everyone, we're in for a treat because this man has got huge knowledge, 20 years plus of business, He's helped so many businesses and we're going to be in for a treat. So you want to be watching this stuff. Make sure you like, comment below because there's a treat coming, especially about the areas where you got value because everyone's journey is different. Mark, thank you for coming here, as I was saying. So we want to kick this off, Mark. Tell us a bit about, I'll give you a big intro. I may not even done you justice, <laughs> right? What, what is your journey? Tell the audience, how did you start about from entrepreneur and things like this? And what was those big things that made a difference? Okay, thanks. Yeah, so I, uh, I was made redundant, uh, as many people do, during the course of their business lives. Uh, at that point, I had to sit down and had to think about what I was going to do with my life, and I decided to set up my own business. I then did quite a lot of research mm. uh, into what I was going to do, decided I should uh, concentrate on my core skills, which were accountancy and tax, and I set up my own accountancy practice and, uh, and uh, built it from nothing, literally from a blank, sh blank sheet of paper, into uh, a business that I sold subsequently for over a million pounds. I love how you said subsequently just a million pound, just a million. A lot of people aspiring to that level. And what Mark's done a bit differently, he's also transitioned not just from running his own business and successfully selling it and having an exit strategy, which is huge. And something, if you follow me on social media, I go on about so much because it's so critical. He also transitioned into being a consultant as well. And I think these are the things we're going to talk about, how you still help people to date. Absolutely. And yep. to give Mark some justice, when I first started my business, believe it or not, we all have to go somewhere. And I bumped into Mark when my son was not even one years old, still in his pram we are joking about earlier. And Mark gave me that advice, that composure. He's such a person with calmness and he was like, look, you'll make it. Just work hard. These are the things. Look, I've gone through this journey. And I was done a post actually today, funny enough, on LinkedIn, if you ever watched it, it was about where you get knowledge from people more experienced than you further down the journey than yourself. Always, always take knowledge on board. And that's why I said there's going to be so much value in this episode. So Mark, let's touch on this. You got made redundant. Mm -hmm. You were 41 at the time? Yep, that's right. Wow. So people, any time, you know, it gives us hope. I'm in the 40-50 bracket. Don't look it, but I am. <laughs> right? And you then made redundant from corporate world. Who did you work for? I worked in, for NatWest. In the banking. That's what I said. Very similar. I worked in banking as well. Mm -hmm. And how was that transition? First of all, not just transition. Why did you think, I'm not going to get another job. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I think that's so important. Why did you do that? So I decided I'd really had enough of, um, of employment and, um, uh, and being told what to do 
and feeling like I wasn't really stretching myself or getting the most out of myself. Wow. Uh, I'd already had always had a thought about running my own business. My dad was a solicitor, so he was self-employed his whole life. So I'd seen the self-employed world, uh, and I'd seen how hard he worked, but I'd also seen the rewards that he got wow. from it. And I thought that was, when I sat down and thought about it, I thought this is a perfect opportunity to set up my own business, become self-employed, become more in control of my life, and um, try and uh, do a lot more you know, for my family. And I think one of the things which is quite, for someone like myself and many others, you went down the franchise model, mm-hmm. a bit like myself. Yep. Why did you go down? Because so many people ask me, what, why do you make the decision to a franchise, not just set up your own? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and again, I, I looked at setting up my own business. I, I looked at various types of business where I felt I could uh, run it and add value. In the end, I decided to go down a franchising route because it reduced the risk a bit. So my career up to that point, I'd worked for a majority of it in the back office of the back office. Mm-hmm. I'd never done any marketing. I'd done a bit of um, customer contact. I hadn't done a lot of sales. And so I felt that you know, some of those skills which I was inexperienced in were key to making this business successful. And by moving into a franchise model, um, I would get that support and help and I'd be more successful more quickly. Going on this, so you went down the franchise model, as you yep. mentioned, the benefits. What other things did you find in your journey? Because you ran it for about nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you find, especially in the early years, that, that made it more beneficial than as I said, we said earlier, starting up. Yeah. What were the first initial benefits? So I think when you when you start up, um, you end up with all the hats on. <laughs> so uh, if you want uh, some IT expertise, uh, you want some HR expertise, uh, you want a bit of finance support, whatever it is, you pick up the phone and you end up ringing yourself. <laughs> By take, taking on the finance model, you just ring the franchisor and they've got all that support there for you. And, uh, and that saves you a lot of time, a lot of cost, because obviously you're paying your, your management fees to the franchisor, but hopefully you're getting a lot more value in return for that. So it gives you more comfort, I think, and you can be calmer about it all. Really great value mark that you added because a lot of people don't understand why franchiser or non-franchiser, but I guess it's making sure you evaluate what the franchise support is and what value you get. You've mentioned certain things that someone should look into, which is huge. I guess now you've started, you've got the transition, a bit scary. How did you, when you initially started, how did you finance initial bit because a lot of people struggle at the start of their business to yeah. get the cash so what did you do to finance it at the beginning yeah you're absolutely right and and um, you need to make sure you've got enough cash at the start because a lot of businesses uh, are slow to start because they haven't got enough capital uh, so I, I financed it effectively from savings uh, and a bit of my redundancy pay wow. um, so that first year uh, I didn't take any money out of the business at all um, so I had to see myself through that first year and finance the business. So, mainly, how, how much did you ballpark put into the business? If you don't I, mind me asking. I probably put about seventy-five thousand pounds in. Wow, and that was from savings. Savings or did you and redundancy. Finance anything like mortgages or anything no, like this? No, no, just, just pure savings. savings and my redundancy payment. Yeah. Wow, and to be honest, that's pretty similar to what I did as well. But I sort of did a leverage. Mm-hmm. I uh, took a bit of loans and because I had employment income at the time, you could yeah. easily get loans. Yeah. So I did it at that time and credit cards. So you've got to leverage and know what you're doing. Very yeah. important and try to measure it and return investment. Yeah. So you need a good lot of support. And I guess being a finance person, this is down your alley, right? Absolutely. absolutely. I, I guess the other bit is you've done a few years and then I, you've mentioned marketing, which 
we talk about quite a lot and I think we're going to talk about it in a bit more detail. Mm -hmm. But I guess the first few clients are so important in whatever business you're doing. You're selling services. Yeah. Um, it's probably not as crowded as we were saying before uh, at that time, but still you, you were trying to build relationships, and yep. especially in the county tax business advisory field, not yep. easy no, because no. people don't change like that, do they? No, absolutely. How, how did you overcome that? Yeah, so I just I just went out and built relationships. I went out and met people. Um, when I started, someone gave me a good bit of advice, which was sit down and write down the name of everyone you know who could be a client, because on day one, those are the people you're going to go to. So I did that, and I had two people on the list an hour later. That's when I realised I didn't actually really know many people who could be clients where I lived, which was my target area. You know, I'd worked in London, so uh, a lot of the, the people I knew didn't complete tax returns, they didn't run businesses, uh, and they weren't in my target geographic patch. So I decided I'd better get out and meet people. So that's what I did. I went out networking. I met all the banks and the local bank managers. I went to the Chamber of Commerce. I went to the, uh, the Snobles Enterprise Agency, which is in my local patch. Uh, effectively, anyone who would talk to me, I went and had a chat to them and told them what I was doing and um, made, them, made it very clear to them that anyone they knew who needed accountancy tax advice, I was the person to come to. I think one of the things I've noticed with you, Mark, really uh, powerful is the way you can build rapport up mm -hmm. and make people feel relaxed. Yeah. And I think that's always a difference maker because unfortunately, especially in the council tax advisory field, unfortunately, I've got to admit it, that is not a skill set many people have mm. because they're very introverted, technical. Yep. You are, I guess, a bit introverted, but you still have that balance where you, when you have to have that conversation and build dialogue, you can do that comfortably. Yeah. And I think that's a unique skill, which I don't think we always understand. And that's what showed in the value of the business, I guess, and how you built it. I guess now you've done, going through the journey, you've done the first zero three years, you've done this to build the business. And then unfortunately, you've had some tragedies happen and you were, you're happy to have a conversation about this because we always try to ask. So the first one, unfortunately, was um, I think you mentioned that um, you had the dreaded divorce. Yeah, sadly. Using the, the D word, sorry. Um, what do you feel was the learnings from that? Because, you know, there's so many reasons why people have a divorce. Because who, how long had you been married at the time? Um, so about uh, 17 years. Wow, 17 years you've been married, and then three years of doing business, mm -hmm. three to four years. What what do you feel was the big driver and a learning for people in the audience who may be in similar circumstances running their business that they've got to really think about when they're running it to hopefully avoid or prevent this, these circumstances? Because sometimes they're just meant to happen, but how mm. can they learn from your experiences? If that's yeah, I think, I think it's... Uh, question of trying to be on the same page as your partner and um, you know there are times in your life when you, you have you have different ideas about where you want to go and what you want to achieve um, and that can be quite difficult particularly when you're running a business when your partner might not necessarily understand the pressure you're under uh, as the proprietor the owner of that business uh, yeah it can be a lonely time um, running your own business and it is definitely hard work and you need to make sure your partner really understands that and buys into that. That's really good advice. And also, how many children did you have? Two. Two. So, a bit similar to myself. Hopefully, I don't have to go down that <laughs> field again. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges is trying to get that, the legendary class everyone goes on about, work-life balance. Yeah. What's your views on the work-life balance? Because so many people in the current media are promoting, oh, yes, you can have an easy work-life balance. What's your experiences? 
and what do you feel is realistic? Yeah, so you're absolutely right, Z, that um, running your own business, one of the one of the things people say about it is, you know, you're in control, You can it gives you better work-life balance. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that um, because if you want your business to be successful, you've got to go out there and work hard, and it is hard work. And I would say running my own business was the hardest I've ever worked in my life. I would definitely have worked more hours than I ever worked previously, but it was also the best fun I ever had and the greatest satisfaction I had was running my own business rather than being employed by someone. You've got to make sure you have fun along the way um, because it, it is hard work so yeah. you need to have those diversions whether that is going out with clients for a day at the cricket yeah. or around a golf or just out networking and you're know, sitting at a bar having a drink and having a good time with people that you, you know pretty well over a period of time. So you need to have those periods where you're switching off a bit and relaxing, uh, but at the same time you may be working and building those relationships at the same time. I think you've emphasised and I hope people got huge value from Mark who was highly successful and he's understood that and he's also given a bit of insight or stuff that didn't work in his favour and why it didn't work in his favour. Mm -hmm. I guess just for the audience obviously now you're married again and you're yeah. happy and you've gone through a, a transition and obviously that learning mm -hmm. made you yeah. think differently appreciate probably things slightly differently. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think that's where you've got to get perspective because the, running a business and I think you put it is a lonely place and I think people don't realise. Going through these challenges, there's so many, and uh, we're going to touch another one, which uh, you shared with me before the conversation, which I didn't even know, and I've known you for a number of years, was unfortunately you, you had one sibling, and mm -hmm. uh, your sister, who passed away six years into the business. Yeah, 2009, yeah. And that, that probably, what, how did you feel at that time, and how did that impact you and your uh, business uh, entrepreneurship and things like this? Yeah, I was, uh, you know, obviously um, tragic time, um, very, very sad, um, and you get a mix of emotions because you, you've got, you've got, you're going through that grief, trying to support your kids through it, support yeah. your parents through it. At the same time, you know, I had ten staff which I was responsible for, and a business um, I was responsible for, and you've got to keep that going. Yeah. Um, and if you step away too much, you know, your business will yeah, will be seriously impacted um, and you've got to make sure you're, you're keeping the cash coming in make sure you're paying the staff you've got to keep your clients happy um, because you know if you don't keep those um, those levels of service up you know, you'll lose them and that's going to have a big impact on your on your income and, and whilst your clients understand what you're going through in terms of and they will back off um, there comes a time when they when they they need your service. It, you know when you get into a deadline, you've got you've got to deliver. So so it's quite an interesting mix of emotions to go through. I think you've hit the nail on the head, and I think it probably been in year six uh, at that time rather than right at the beginning. You would have probably and you I know you've spoken before about systemization, which I talk mm -hmm. about entrepreneurs a lot. You had to probably systemize your business to a certain point yep. that it gave you time to be able to be away. Yeah. Definitely. And I think, was that a big difference maker if it was early on, it would have been probably yeah. devastating. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, as you grow a business, <clears throat> you know, when it's you on day one, everything's in your head it, you, it, and the systems are pretty rudimentary. But when you start to employ people, as you get bigger, as you get more, more customers, more clients, then it needs to be more systemized. Uh, you know, someone needs to go on holiday and someone else needs to know what's going on and follow a process. So processes are incredibly important in a business. So you can go on holiday as, as the owner and know that everything's going to be done to your your uh, ex expertise. 
uh, you know, your staff are going to do things as you need them to do. So having those processes and systems is um, absolutely vital. How long do you feel it took, has taken you from the start of the business to when you felt comfortable with the systems? I know you're never comfortable one bit like that. We're human, we're entrepreneurs, <laughs> right? But when you're to a certain point thinking, I've got the process, my team sort of know sort of a little of a roadmap to follow. Yeah. How long did it take you to get those in place? I would say probably probably about three years, but then you're never, as you say, you're never <laughs> happy with them because as your business grows, you need to change your processes because they become unfit for purpose. So in year one, the processes you need in year six are completely different. So as you grow, expand, you need to continually review those processes to make sure they're fit for purpose in the new world. So you're always worrying about them and you're always hoping nothing's going to go wrong before you realise something is changing. I think you've hit the nail head and I think that's the biggest challenge entrepreneurs have is having a process literally to review the systems and processes yeah, yeah. And, and being have that regular timing because mm. it also depends on the staff and the quality of staff, how they can do different stuff. A lot of fun and this is the kind of stuff you need as you're an entrepreneur to grow businesses. Getting on to, because obviously you had some personal challenges which mm -hmm. are so linked to business and when people don't really understand, but you and the business, you're one thing. Yep. So when they talk about personal business brand, I see it as one thing, mm -hmm. really. Yes, you work on it differently, but it's so combined, isn't it? Yeah. I guess the next bit is, and a huge value for the audience right now, is the business challenges, Mark, because yep. you've had quite a few of those. And I think we touched on around networking. Yeah. And I think you were a bit of a networking king in Hertfordshire, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because <laughs> that's how you grew your business, because yep. you went from zero to, to be able to sell it to a million. What is the key takeaways for the audience if you feel that you can give insights of what you did and how much do you think is still practical today in 2023 as we're recording this? Yeah, okay, so yeah, so the, you know, the big challenge obviously when you start a business is growing it, getting clients in and getting them to pay you so you get the income. Um, and as I said earlier, I went out networking because I realized I needed to meet people. And also in my market, my target market, small businesses, entrepreneurs, they buy people, people buy people. Um, so it's not like a large corporate where you have a tick list and anyone who wants to get on the supplier list has to meet all those criteria and you may meet someone who you think is the perfect person, but because they fail one of those criteria, they can't get on the list. Yeah. In the small business world, people buy people. So I did a lot of networking, went out talking to people, building relationships, uh, and that um, resulted in, in, um, in a lot of new clients and a lot of business. I also did uh, quite a lot of advertising, little local magazines, sort of thing that um, comes to your letterbox, sits on people's tables, and then the following month the next edition comes through and they, they just replace it. So if someone says to them, oh, do you know a plumber, they just get their little magazine out and tell them, do you need an accountant? Well, here, here are, there's one in here. Um, so those sorts of things. I did leafleting, I did social media, although social media wasn't as big back then as it is now. A lot of the um, platforms today didn't exist when I was mm. running my business. Certainly threads didn't exist. <laughs> Um, it's about a week old now, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, love so, it. So yeah, so social media wasn't as big, but quite important. Um, and can, yeah. I, can I unpack that? Because yeah. you've given huge value in your answer there. So you had networking, uh, meeting face-to-face, -face, which I think is huge. But I think the bit that probably the audience probably will be such varying in ages and different age groups, and they'll be looking at it slightly different. How do you, f do you feel the traditional style marketing still works, like leaflets, 
putting in magazines. Do you feel in the modern day, in 2023, as we're mm -hmm. recording this, that still works? Yeah, I think it definitely does. And you and I were talking earlier yeah. about, you know, um, how how many times you have to touch a potential client before they turn up and, and sign on the line. When I started, you know, the professional marketeers told me that you had to touch someone seven times before they become a client. Now they're talking about 18, 20 times. Wow. So the, 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 the traditional methods, the leafleting, the adverts in paper magazines are another way of touching people and getting your name out there. So I think they're still important. I also think a little bit that people are getting a bit... Um, a bit fed up with social media, mm. and I think some of the paper stuff's coming back. I think leaflets are coming back a bit more, mm. particularly if you can get your leaflet structured right and get the right messages in it. Wow, um, okay. Selling the benefits. Did, so, really, point about social media because you know we, we're going heavy on social media. Mm -hmm. um, what do you feel? You've mentioned some of the benefits, um, which probably weren't available when you were around because of the social media yep. platforms, but. What do you, you think there's some negatives as well? What, what do you feel are the negatives of social media? Well, I, I think you've got to be on social media. Let's, let's yeah. get that straight. You can't yeah. run a business, or very few people can run a business these days without being on social media. What I think you've got to be careful of is doing too much and switching people off. Mm. So sometimes little is more, and that depends on your target audience, and you can sort of only really judge that by looking at your viewing figures and your followers and, and what interaction you have to those posts. So if, someone, if, you know, if someone's uh, posting every hour of the day, then I think that just puts people off and, and they'll, they'll stop following you uh, and you know, it'll probably be slightly negative, their view of you. Mm -hmm. so, so I'll say that that's the only negative. You just need to be careful how much you do but, and you need to send them the right messages, the things they're looking for. I think I agree with you to a certain point. And what I think is, it's not always, I think quantity is good, but obviously over an hour, every hour is a bit excessive. Yeah. But I think it's the message, yeah. which I think you've hit the nail on the head. If It's like turning up and I say to people, if you turn up and knock on everyone's door every day and you're like, I'm here, can you buy from me? I think most people will get annoyed, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's social media yeah. or traditional stuff. Yeah. It's what is your message? Are you giving value? And I think the world has now got to where, especially service-based, be different to goods. Because goods people can try yep. and make their decision. Yes. Services take six to 12 months or a lot longer to try. So people want to know what value they're going to get. And if someone's providing value with no obligation to buy, mm -hmm. right, there is a balance Everyone knows that, but that's the branding approach. And I, I think I'm a big advocate of that. I think you've done that mm -hmm. without even knowing a lot yeah, of times because yeah. the marketing, how you used to go out networking mm -hmm. quite a lot. But we had the dreaded COVID, which sort of changed people's. Yes. <laughs> Completely, yeah. yeah. So we've had a slightly big shock to the world. Mm -hmm. And also how people communicate now is different. So I think there's a balance, but it's really interesting your thoughts around uh, yeah. traditional marketing. I'm You're absolutely right, Z, about value. And you know, a lot of business I talk to and advise they do not understand the value of what they're doing. Mm. And that results in reduced income. Um, so, yeah, to, to use my example, you know, to do a tax return, <clears throat> I can do a straightforward tax return in quite a short period of time. For one of my clients to do it, by the time they've worked out how to log on, what the questions meant, what they were supposed to answer, they would probably, you know, they'd be very stressed. Um, yeah, they'd probably thrown their computer out the window. Uh, so for them, the value I was providing, they were prepared to pay for me for that peace of mind and no worry and no stress. And 
you know, businesses need to understand the value that they're providing in order to get paid the right amount of money. And you need to, sorry, is it? Yeah. And, and you need to communicate that to your client, potential clients. I think you've hit the nail on the head, really important about understanding the value proposition, i.e. there's different levels mm -hmm. and having a, I think I did a pricing post about this, the strategy of pricing depends on what value you're giving. Doing a simple tax return to one where you're doing more advanced because there's more sources of income, there's different ways to cut it, mm -hmm. how you can make more value, it's huge. And that's the difference in mindset and the, the practitioner because you obviously not just an accountant, you're a tax advisor yeah, as well. Yeah. So we, we understand it's slightly different. And I think that's where people need to understand that differentiation because it's going to save money in their pocket, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the other bit that you've really raised for me is, um, uh, we've touched on about social media, but I think the biggest thing is that you sort of transitioned now. So mm -hmm. you were like running your accountancy tax advisor practice, which you sold, made quite a bit of money on, yep. uh, and we'll get on to all the life that you live now, is um, now you run as a consultant. Mm -hmm. What has been the shift in mindset from in the cold face every mm -hmm. day to a bit now you're consulting and more relaxed way of doing that because yep. you're in a different stage of your career? Yeah, so definitely more relaxed, you're right. Um, you know, and I'm lucky. I see it with the shorts, by the way. He's just <laughs> relaxed. I love it. So, yeah, so, um, you know, I'm lucky I'm at a stage of my life where, you know, I've run my business, I've successfully sold it, and to an extent I can do what I want. My mantra is do what I want to do when I want to do it. Um, but I can't ever envisage myself just, you know, doing the gardening and watching the telly. Um, and I love helping people, and I'm very passionate about small business. So, yeah, now I consult and, and advise small businesses, startups, early startups, how to be successful. Um, so the approach is more relaxed. There's less pressure, I feel, because yeah, yeah. Um, you know I don't need to have a full diary every day. Uh, I don't want a full diary every day. Uh, I can also pick and choose who I help. Yeah, I, I think this is the, the bit that is really quite a transition. So this is like you in your 40s, I'm just putting some timelines, everyone's different. So Mark's just to unpack it. In his 40s, he was flat out growing a mm -hmm. trading business, getting the cash flow, protecting his future, uh, unlocking financial freedom as we talk about next level finance podcasts. And then he exited in a tax efficient manner. Love that, could do a lot more in some aspects then than what they've done now, mm -hmm. playing entrepreneurs, relief, all that fun. Yep. And then you've got a pot of money and your pension. And now you're like, I still want to do something um, and still have some income coming in, but I've got investments and things like this. Yep. Now I'm going to help business owners use that 20 years plus mm -hmm. worth of knowledge of working with so many entrepreneurs yep. to help them in that way. And it's zero to five years, isn't it, that you normally, yep. that's your like, yep. sweet spot where you yep. help them in the start. Give us a, like a, some of the, the, the ones that you've done recently, you, you know, some big wins that you've done in um, both the county world as well as in the consultant world. Yeah. Yeah, so I think one of my um, proudest uh, successes when I was running the accountancy practice... You can see the big smile on his face. <laughs> ...was a client who was bought by Amazon for £11 million. Wow. Um, you know, they were a million pound turnover business, uh, tech, tech business. Um, Amazon um, bought another business, not realising that my client was quite integral to the IT for that business. Uh, and um, I said to them, you know, Give, give Amazon 12 months, they'll, they'll be coming looking for you, which is exactly what happened. They turned them away, um, and then they came back six months later and basically said to them, you know, tell us what you want um, for the business and we want to buy you. 
So, um, you know, I told them to ask for 15 million. Um, they <laughs> negotiated it and they got 11, which was so two directors, two shareholders, 60 40. So, absolutely life changing event. And, you know, and we, we did a lot of the work to make that happen. So, what, what you did was obviously help value the business, right? Yeah. And on future income uh, and give a valuation. Yeah. And yours was 15 million, a bit of negotiation yeah. that you probably led. Yeah, and we, will, we always knew 15 was going to be toppy, yeah. but you've got to go in high. You know, if, if you go in low, no one's going to say, that sounds a bit cheap, can we give you a couple of million more, please? Um, just like when you're pricing with clients, you know, <laughs> you can always come down, you can never go up. Do you know what? That's huge knowledge. It's different scale, but Mark's just given insight. How do you uh, sell a business for your exit strategy? Not just his own, which he did, because also you can see it's quite sharp. Uh, negotiator but also for clients and it's so important that you have that relationship with your trusted advisor so that was when you were in the counseling mm -hmm. world you added huge value you obviously structured that yep. gave them tax uh, advice account advice and then helped sell them a bit of a pain because you probably lost a lot of recurring yes income. yes but you probably got a one-off payment <laughs> good on one-off yeah um, how did you structure that? So did you have a percentage of certain amount that went to you or um, or what you can share because I know some of it probably confidential. Yeah, no, we, we just we just um, charge for the work we did by the hour. Yeah. Um, their corporate advisors, um, I subsequently found out, took a success fee, which was uh, substantially more, should we say, than, uh, <laughs> than we charged. Uh, I guess but it, we were happy with what we got. So, so it was a bit like a consultancy fee you helped uh, yeah. and do that. Maybe that's where pricing knowledge and probably what knowledge you got now, you probably structure it a bit differently. But you also... I've helped clients while you're working for a yep. startup agency local in Hertfordshire yep. called Stanta. I've sponsored them. Fantastic. That's how I met Mark, by the way. Mm -hmm. So how have you, did you help? Because you had a big win there as well that you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, so the Solomons Enterprise Agency, Stanta, uh, we help uh, early start businesses become more successful or um, help businesses get into difficulties. And I had one particular client of ours who dug a big hole, hole for themselves. Um, yeah, it looked like they were going to go bust. So I got called in um, and basically helped them dig themselves out of the hole, took a bit of time, but told them what they needed to do, made sure they did it, and then put processes in place to make sure that didn't happen again and didn't recur. And I think that's where the knowledge and experience, and I think people don't realise that having a good person, trust advisor, whoever that is, if you have someone strong who's got a lot of knowledge, business acumen, commercial acumen, they can help you big time real big time mm -hmm. and I think that's another good example. Yeah. I think the other bit that I wanted to probably understand was that you've obviously um, helped businesses still in your consulting world but how did you come up with your exit strategy because a lot of people in the audience are watching this they're always thinking right we're talking about exit strategy like it's something over there how because you've got a quite unique story when I've spoken to you is you knew your exit strategy from the day one that you yeah. started. Yeah. So, so just my, explain yeah. that to the audience. So my vision for, the, for my business was to sell it for a million pounds in 15 years. I actually achieved that in nine. And one of the reasons I achieved that in nine was because I had that vision. And I had my key performance indicators. I had probably about a dozen of them. I monitored them every month on a spreadsheet. And no decision got made in the business unless it was going to help achieve that ultimate goal of selling for a million pounds. And that, because I was so focused on that, I think that drove the business forward quicker. Whereas again, when I'm advising businesses, if they're a bit wishy-washy about their, what their vision is, you know, understandably, they don't grow very quickly because they're not focusing on the right things. 
Hi everyone, sorry to interrupt the podcast. Hope you're getting a huge amount of value from this. Just gonna be quick two seconds. First of all, to let you know in the comments below, we have got links to free business guides that can help you on your entrepreneur journey. They include exclusive footage from Sky TV episodes that I've done and a whole load of other content in there. Whether you're a growing business, property investor, property developer, or if you wanna love the fun of SaaS pensions. Please do look at those. And if you still want more help, get in touch, the contact details are below. I hope you enjoy the podcast. So break it down to the audience, right? The KPIs, key performance indicators. Yep. Which ones did you help enable that sales growth? Which ones do you think, if you had a hierarchy, what's number one, number two, number three, if we can put it like that? Yeah, okay, so for an accountancy practice, the absolute key is your gross recurring fees. So how many clients have you got? How, many, how much are they paying you every year? And, and is that going to be a repeat business? So slightly yeah. different model to many other businesses. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, what cash have you got coming in? Because you need the cash to help grow the business. Huge. And cash flow is, well, cash is king. We know that. If you haven't got cash, you're not going to be a successful business. And many businesses fail because they run out of cash. So it's absolutely key keep keeping your eye on the cash. Uh, do you know what? You've hit the nail on the head. And number three... The number three, I would say, is um, you know, client relationships. Keep them happy, keep them coming back, um, keep advising them, keep them happy, keep them growing, because as they're growing, they're going to pay you more money. Um, and yeah, again, a lot of businesses I talk to, they don't think about getting those those customers back who bought something to come and buy something else, and think about how, how can I how can I uh, get these people who've, who've loved what we've done with them or what they bought from us, how can we get them to come back and buy more and give us more income? I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's one of the hardest things because mm. you're trying to get that balance right. Yeah. I, I think I've got slightly different view on cash being king or queen these days, mm-hmm. I call it. The reason being, I believe content now is king or queen. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is because everyone's awareness is on the phone. Right? It goes back to social media and things like this because I'll use an example. You've got, you know the drink Prime you might have seen, yeah, it, yes, right? Yeah. So you've got the guys Logan Paul and KSI not a huge fans of them, not even huge fans of the drink. But one thing they've illustrated, like many others, um, is that you can sell brands yep. and make brands monetize. And that's just by adding value. It goes back to, because mm-hmm. you were adding value by conversations, yep. right? But that's a one-to-one. It's mm-hmm. much harder unless you're doing presentations for many people. But with social media, now you can do a presentation, record it like we're doing now, and many of the audience are going to love this and communicate to so many people and they will then say to you oh thank you z thank you mark for giving us that value mm-hmm. so you're touching one to many yep. so that's not and that then becomes cash because your time are you linked to yep. content yep. is the cash absolutely but you've got to make sure you turn your content into cash there's no point you know doing lots of podcasts and social media posts mm. and then everyone's saying yeah it's fantastic but they don't turn up and start paying you money for your your value and your advice I think that content's very important. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I think you've proper uh, rationalised that. That is the balance because the bit people get mixed up is something called the marketing sales funnel, which you all mm-hmm. know, right? Mm-hmm. They are two different things. Um, when people interchange, you've got the marketing aspect. That's to grow your brand, and yep. you don't always see the ROI on that until down the road. Yeah. Yep. But the sales funnel is something that you need to keep on going to get the clock ticking because it takes time for the marketing. Yeah. So how would you? And this is advice Mark gives to a lot of people. How would you look at the marketing sales funnel from your perspective? What would you focus on day one, which you did, to grow sales? And 
how would you focus on marketing those two different areas? What mm. would you do? So, a bit of a tricky question. Sorry. Yeah. So your marketing funnel, then it's all that's all about getting leads, isn't it, and potential clients. So, who's your target market? Who's your perfect client? Where are they? You know, how do they communicate? So very simple. We were talking about this earlier. If your target market is people over eighty, probably not going to do a social media campaign. If it's people under twenty, probably not going to write them a letter because you know if they aren't my kids, they never open the envelopes, and I and I worry about what's in there. <laughs> Um, so you need to know who your clients are, what platforms they're on, and there's so many now, different age groups on different platforms, although, um, you know, you know, TikTok was very, it was youngsters, now that's that, that demographic's getting a bit bigger, or a bit older, I should say. Um, so yeah, you really need to understand that, and then market to them, get those leads in. Not everyone's going to become a client, um, but if you get it right, a high percentage of them will, and then, you know, get them into that funnel, and then it's all about how you, what your sales process, what value, what benefits you're giving them, how do you hook them and, and get them to sign up and, and buy from you. I think that's great advice. How, how strong do you feel a couple of additional areas and we're getting into this fund because this is huge value and we're getting for someone who's got huge experience, helped so many businesses. Do you, what, what do you feel about lead magnets? And what I mean is where you're giving some value in a guide to exchange your email yeah. address. Do you feel that still works in the modern day? And getting them on your newsletter. Yeah, I think it does, and and um, you know, in, in you, you need to be able to keep communicating with people. Um, so if they see a podcast, they see a YouTube video. Ideally, you you want to have a bit of a closer contact with them. So somehow, you you, you need to get hold of some details off them so you can go back to them. that. Maybe you know, lead magnet. You know, give us your email address. We'll give you a free. Uh, a free brochure on how to save tax um, and that sort of stuff. Um, but somehow you need to keep hold of them. If, if you're getting you know thousands of people watching your videos uh, and a lot of them are then turning into clients, then you probably don't need that lead magnet. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's about all about conversion and, and getting them to start paying you. I think you've put the nail on the head, and I think this is huge value to the audience because what's happening now is the marketplace is quite busy mm -hmm. yeah. because everyone's understood the power of social media. A bit like what you're talking about traditional marketing versus mm. social media is people now becoming picky on how much time they spend with people and how they make that into value. And that is becoming so important, how much value you're giving, how much are they willing to experience before they you know, take a decision, take it a step further, yep. and how you've got that funnel happening to turn into a sale. Mm -hmm. And I, I think this is one of the hardest hit, because you speak to gurus or listen to gurus, everyone's got a different take on this. Um, some people say, look, never put any call to action on sales. Some people say, put some. Some say, put it all the time. And the thing is, you've got to evaluate what you're trying to achieve. Yep. Um, my, my view on this is slightly different. It's a more of a longer term approach. I think adding value with the brand and helping people in the long term, you will get value from yes. that. Yeah. Um, but it does take time. Mm -hmm. And if you're aggressive on the sales and you on the sales, yes, you may get clients in the initial short term, mm -hmm. but it's how valuable they're going to be. It's like attracting someone yep. or forcing a sale. Yeah. And it's getting that balance. Probably yep. a hybrid kind of approach, which is yeah. People like to make the decision themselves. They don't. They don't want to feel they're being sold to, and, and that's a big difference between that. You know, as we said earlier, networking slow burn. I think the longest I had between having a conversation with someone networking and them signing up for a client was four years. Wow. So um, you know, you don't expect to get a client every time you speak to someone. 
um, when yeah. it's just building relationships. I, I think also if you, you're sincere, and I think that's one of the things that comes across for yourself, um, uh, and I think that's a real important thing, that you generally go and help people mm -hmm. and let them feel the benefit, help them, and then it's down to them mm. to make a yes, decision. Absolutely. Because then they're more likely, and then when they do convert to a client, they're going to be a better client, not someone fixated on price and all this, because that doesn't work in the long term. Because they'll no. come with you and leave with you. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that, I think that's the difference. I think. Yeah. The other things I wanted to talk about is your approach, mm -hmm. and I always ask everyone because everyone has a different type of approach. What is your approach when you're you're going to work with an entrepreneur? You're a consultant now. An entrepreneur comes to start their business. How do you go with that? Start that journey with them because this is going to be totally new yep. to them. Yeah, well, it's understanding you know, what their vision is, what their goals are for that business. Um, you know, is it, is it just a lifestyle business? Is it going to provide them with a living? Or do they want to scale it up to a national company, an international company? Uh, a lot of the time they want to thought about that. And a lot of the time they probably don't believe they can scale it up to a large size. So part of it is inspiring that person to understand that with the right support and the right processes and the right mechanisms around them, they can probably grow this business to a bigger size than they thought. And again, I talk to many businesses who get to a period in their entrepreneurial uh, career where they get stuck uh, and they don't really know how to, how to grow. They don't understand why they've got stuck. And a lot of that is because they haven't got the support around them. They haven't had the advice they need. And once you can give them that advice and give them the confidence that they can actually do it, um, then they will go off and, and um, they'll suddenly grow again. And confidence is a very big thing, running your own business, as you know. Yeah, well, confidence is key, really. Mm. And I think the other thing is priorities. Mm -hmm. I think we mentioned earlier, people have different hats, mm -hmm. right? But you can't, you can't do everything at once. No. And that's a challenge to myself and many entrepreneurs. It's, I guess, what is... In your mindset, what would you think an entrepreneur who's starting out or in that point where they've got stuck, zero, three, five years, it can even be 10 years, depending on what they've done, what priority should they always be uh, thinking about? Because there's priority, different types of, uh, what's their first priority they should be talking yeah. about? And I'd like to get your views, because you've got to do it in order, otherwise it's not going to happen. Yeah, I, mean, I think one of your priorities is obviously getting income in, because yeah. the business isn't going to exist without that. Once you've got it in, you know, if you've got recurring uh, business like I did as an accountant, you need to keep those people happy. Yeah. Um, but you also you always need to be thinking ahead as to okay, then in six, twelve months, two two years time, what do I want my business to look like, and what do I need to do between now and then to achieve that? Yeah. Um, so that may be, for example, if you can double the size of your business in a year, which I did one year, then I'm going to need more staff. It's going to be too late once I've doubled the business. I need to get them in before then. So you always need to be thinking ahead. You always need to be looking at that business plan and you know, driving the business using that business plan. Do, do you feel getting um, scaled for volume? Because mm -hmm. every business is different, why they're scaled for important volume or looking at your pricing strategy or a combination of both? Yeah, both. I mean, right. pricing strategy is key. Um, you know, and one of the things that scares people when I talk to them is I tell them, if I tell them their pricing is too low and they're not, they're not, getting the right amount of money for the value, and I tell them just to increase their prices, they look at me like I come off another planet. And I go, well, now everyone will run away. But actually, experience suggests that if you increase your prices 10%, you'll lose very little business. 
yeah, and your profit. It, that goes straight down to your bottom line, to your profit, and that's your money. Absolutely, and do you know what? That's so important because, and also there's a compound impact. So we had this uh, in our practice where we weren't raising prices rapidly because we didn't realize the value we're creating. Mm -hmm. And what happens when you do do it, you realize you're so out of sync with the marketplace and what you're providing. Mm -hmm. And then it's a huge shock and you lose actually it's yep. more painful but yep. you've got to do it yep. and it's the kind of thing you've got to do on an annual basis yep. if you've got a service based business or goods because especially now mm-hmm. the prices the whole world is different to two years ago yep. uh, but a lot of people don't have that confidence or understanding and they don't I guess they don't have that advice. They don't understand yep. looking at the pricing, what it should be, yep. what kind of money, margin they've got to be make, and then how much does that cover their overheads in a simple way yep. without sounding a load of technical aspects. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, pr- pricing is so important. And I did, I went, did, made that mistake where I didn't increase my prices for a period. And then when you suddenly realise that you're actually undercharging and your profitability is suffering to get back to where you were, it's quite a big jump. Mm. So, what? Well, yeah, as Z says, what you should be doing is raising your prices every year. If you raise your prices 3% every year, your, your customers, your clients probably aren't going to notice too much. If you suddenly say, well, I'm going to increase by 20%, that'll be a big shock. And, you know, you know, current world, real world at the moment, what inflation's just dipped below 10%. All your costs are going up as an entrepreneur. If you've got staff, you're probably giving them pay rises. If you're not increasing your prices, it's your money that you're basically giving away. And I think the hardest bit as an entrepreneur, and I think it's nice to read on to the next part, is especially if you're doing a service-based business, right? A bit different to goods-based business. But ultimately, you have to know whether the customer life cycle, mm-hmm. and that's the other part. How much is that customer worth over a number of years? Yep. Because what happens is we've actually become more profitable but with less clients. Mm-hmm. And everyone's yep. like, what would you, that's a bit of a crazy strategy, but it's not really because to give value and to manage people's expectations and give the value people want, yep. right? You need to have the pricing at the right level because you can't get the quality staff, everything else, because otherwise you're a busy fool, right? Yep, yep. And I've, I've seen this, I was speaking to a client today and they're like, and I'm like, your prices are too low. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, you've got to look by geographical because they're an international company. And I was like, well, you need to look. And then I'd give an example that what's happening because ultimately you're not making the money. And that's why we've done the analytics and split the business up mm. into different regions, different products yep. to give the analytics so I can show them. And they were like, oh, now I understand why you're asking to do that. Okay. <laughs> and it's, it's the pricing driving that value. Yeah. Then it's the other bit that we've been talking about, which I love and we've always talked about is positioning, i.e. the marketing aspects, right? Your personal business brand, mm-hmm. so important. Yep. Uh, I think I've shown Mark around the, the offices and a bit of the studio and what we're trying to achieve. That's become so important now. Um, I guess it sort of transitioned from where, when you were yeah. heavily doing it. Still, uh, the marketing's always been important, but it's become slightly different. Mm-hmm. And what you've got to do and try to get that balance that works for you. Uh, have you seen that with a lot of entrepreneurs, what they're focusing on yeah. to get their name out there? Yeah, and, and, it, and, it, and it's different for different businesses. You say it's different for a service-based business than a goods business. It's different from a people business to someone who's just selling goods online. So so it is different. Um, but branding is crucial in that marketing, which will help your branding get out there and improve your branding and therefore bring you sales is absolutely crucial. 
Oh, excellent. I guess the uh, we've sort of looked at this. I think when you've looked at uh, certain business models, right? Um, you've looked at loads of business models. Which ones have you had, I guess, so much positive feel from when you've helped them? Because I guess different entrepreneurs are different in mm-hmm. different industries, right? So which ones have you like had, I guess, the appreciation of what the amount of stuff you've done to help them? Was it the Amazon one or yeah, that was one? that was certainly um, that was certainly one of them. Um, you know, I, I, it always gives me great satisfaction when you, you talk to a client and then you see them put into practice what you've suggested and it's worked, and you can see that business has moved forward hugely and probably far quicker than if they tried to do it themselves. Wow, wow, and I guess you know we were talking about um, uh, the exit strategy, and I go, go a lot. Mm-hmm. So when you uh, exited for your business how did you make that transition from every day full at it doing so many hours mm-hmm. to not doing that yeah <laughs> yeah it's quite interesting it's like um it's like you know flicking a switch from on to off um, because you're suddenly you've got nothing to do <laughs> and that's very strange and actually reminded me a bit of um you know, when I was at university doing exams, you have a real intense period of revision yes. up to an exam. You yes. finish the exams and you get up next morning. It's like, right, sit at my desk. And you go, actually, I don't need to do that today. And, it, and, and it's like, oh, what do I do now? I feel like a fish out of water. So, yeah, so what I did essentially, I had a bit of time off, recharged the batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, watched quite a lot of cricket, sat in the sunshine. It's quite a good summer. Um, and then... Um, you know, think about what am I going to do now in, in the cold light of day while well, you've got time to do it. And then things happened, you know, someone said to me, oh, could you do this for me? And I go, oh, yeah, okay. And then that, you know, yeah. moves into something else. Hence, you know, doing the work at the Enterprise Agency in St Albans. Um, you know, the executive director just asked me to do something one day. I did it. Um, it turned into a bigger piece of work than I'd originally expected. Um, you know, and then he asked me to come and help with the business of my side of that business, which I still do now, um, as well as my consultancy. So yeah, just so. just to cut in there, um, if you don't mind, his name of his business, by the way, is Cricket Consultants uh, Limited. Don't you love that name? <laughs> I love it because I'm a big cricket fan as well. Um, we've had a lot of conversations about cricket, and he's actually seen England win the World Cup, so I can't say that anymore. <laughs> now it has totally changed, and they did it in style as well, actually. <laughs> so you're a huge cricket fan. I am. I've yep. mentioned yep. that. So you spend a lot of time cricket, but also every time I phone, I hear the do do, and I'm like, he's gone abroad, <laughs> right? <laughs> so how how do you balance obviously jetting sitting around the world and providing the consulting services because it's totally different dynamics now yeah yeah so um yeah so i love i love going away i love traveling um, my wife loves holidays so um yeah so we do go away a lot um yeah i, I sometimes i'll do some work while i'm abroad you know mm-hmm. sometimes I'll, I'll just chill out and won't do anything um but yeah it's just it's just fitting it in as i said earlier you know my mantra is do what i want to do when i want to do it so you know if i want to go have a day off watching you know england England cricket, I'll do that, yeah. and I'll just work my work around it. Um, you know, so, so sometimes I'll have very busy weeks. Yeah. Um, some days I'll have weeks when I'm off doing other stuff. Um, so you know, I've got a week coming up in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to spend three days at the Ashes Test. Wow. Um, so you know, and um, I'll sort of deal with a few emails and do the simple stuff. Just keeps up ticking over. But um, but yeah, I know the following week will probably be quite busy as I catch up a bit. 
Where's the Ashes test? Just for The Oval. I'm it's the Oval, yeah. all right, and not far from us. So, Mark, I think we've given so much value. It's unbelievable. And honestly, if you want an unbelievable conversation, this guy, I've had so many conversations. He's so inspirational. He's done so much to help entrepreneurs. He's still helping entrepreneurs. All right, you can't get enough of helping people. And it goes back to what I was saying. Knowledge is power, and it's only power if you go and invest it and learn it from people who are a bit further ahead of you, and then you implement. And I think that's one of the biggest mm -hmm. takeaways. I guess is it a big takeaway for you that you should do if you want to be successful? There's one thing. What would you would you say to the audience? I would say um, get people around you who are positive and can help you and advise you. So Z mentioned earlier about getting people. Uh, or talking to people who are more experienced than you, who are further ahead of you in the business, you know, in their business life. And that's very important because you can learn from, A, their experiences. And one of the reasons I often tell people to go out networking is because you, people, it gives people confidence. So you can talk to people out networking and, and you'll, you'll sort of sit there thinking, well, they've done, I can do that. They've done it. Well, I, I can definitely do that. Whereas if you sit at home at your desk worrying about it, you're probably never going to do it. You go, oh, I'll sleep on that. I'll have a think about it tomorrow. And then tomorrow becomes next week and next week becomes next month and you don't do it. Whereas if you've got people around you who you can bounce ideas off, um, you know, and get advice from, then you, that business is going to move far quicker and you're going to achieve your goals and vision a lot quicker. I think you've hit the nail on the head and you summarised it so well. It's that knowledge and having the people you work with and having that inspiration because I've met a lot of people who are knowledgeable, uh, they have a lot of understanding, but they've lost that, that fire in their belly, that inspiration, and mm. then it sort of fades everything else. Yep. So I always say to people, try to make sure you surround yourself with positive people, so important to inspire yourself mm -hmm. constantly. And if you feel like you're falling in that trap, because we have many um, viewers who contact me and they say to me, Z, you know, I don't know if this entrepreneurial world is working for me. And often it's because they're surrounding themselves with negativity. Yeah. And those people stay away from those. If you see a negative client, even if it's making money, it's not worth having because it'll affect you. And if you've got teams, it'll affect. It's like a bit of a virus. You don't want that. You want positivity. And that will then generate and make you want to turn up for work. Because if you don't turn up for work and try to run a business with a smile on your face, it's not worth having. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the nutshell. Yeah, someone once said to me, um, you know, don't read the newspapers because there's only bad news in them, and you'll think the whole world's like that. Um, and I didn't really have time to read a newspaper anyway, so that was fine. So if you've got positive people around you, you've got good clients, you know, you've got great friends, then life's life's great. It's hard work, but as I said earlier, make sure you have fun as well. Mark. It's been great. And obviously in the comments, we're going to have a link to Cricket Consultants Limited. Mm. Um, so if you want to get contact Mark, especially starting the business, zero to five years is area that he loves helping people. And he's also got, I think, Stanter Startup Agency, do yeah. 12 hours for free, yeah. uh, government subsidies, take advantage of it. I did when I started, believe it or not. I definitely took advantage of met Mark, who inspired me to start and showed, illustrated to me that, you know, that reassurance that you can be successful. Um, it never stops. You have to ongoing, but as long as you get to surround yourself with the right people. So thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. I really appreciate Great it. Great talking to you. And please do comment, like, and let us know what value you got from this and how it changed you or how your experience is and what else you want us to do. We're more than happy to help. Thank you so much. Hi everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast. We're doing this to add value to your entrepreneur journey, which is have a quick 
catch up on this is that just to remind you we've got free business guides in the comments below they've got huge value in them for property investors property developers SaaS pensions and if you've got growing bit trading business as well if you after you consume those guides that have got exclusive sky tv episodes in them please do get in contact with us the contact details are there and we can help shape your entrepreneur journey and unlock financial freedom thank you so much